Are you guys ready? I was born ready. I was here early when you asked me. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's Alex dog ate my homework Schleifer over there. What? What do you mean? Sorry, I'm late. He had a lot of work he'd put in here. <laughs> I was at CES last week. I was only there for 36 hours, and I had a very strange experience to start off with. I checked into my hotel. Did you go to the Media Link party? I didn't go to the Media. I wasn't invited. I don't get invited to the Media Link parties. What's the Media Link party? So Media Link is this cabal of like. How would you describe Media Link? The mob. That's the way they they like to market themselves. They're like this connector organization that works with. They sit between brands and tech and agencies and only in media and in an intensely capitalistic system could could they exist and be powerful. But they are. It's really the um, highly effective monetization of one man's Rolodex. Yeah, Michael Kasson, he knows everybody and he does this connection thing. Do you know who the new media link is? It's brand innovators. They're everywhere. We are living in an age of brand innovators, which is a really interesting phenomenon. If you ask I don't know me. what I don't know what you're talking about. Brand innovators? Yeah, what does that mean? They're an organization. They do like events mostly, but they also do c- kind of working with brands themselves too. And they're just squarely focused on brand marketers. And they had a big event at CES. They had Mark Cuban there. Linda Yaccarino got a do-over with a much uh, kinder interlocutor. I don't know. I hear people talking about brand innovators all the time. Hmm. But Hmm. AI was definitely the talk of the event. I did not make it to the show floor because I had other things to do. The only other thing that I heard talked about a lot were these transparent TVs. So that's all I have on the gadget front. Those are cool. Lots of cars, right? I mean, I didn't hear talk about the cars, but then again, the people I was with wouldn't be into the cars. I mean, CS is such a strange thing because most of the innovations are not taking place in gadgetry and what what the whole event is meant for. And then there's entirely different world of like the media and advertising world, which is just this barnacle on technology event that exists at the Aria and Cosmopolitan and a little bit in the Bellagio and basically doesn't have anything to do or very little to do with the main part of the event, if you will. Strange. There was a couple of cool things that stood out to me. One is the new drone that can fly a 65-pound payload 25 miles. That can't be good for warfare. It's a DJI yeah, no. drone. So, and that's crazy. The, the other one that stood out to me was a car that drives sideways. That'd be useful here in Brooklyn for parallel parking. That's cool. But you'd have to get a Kia or Hyundai or whatever it was. So that's a no-go. There was one other thing that I was going to mention that I thought was cool. Obviously, the thing that got the most attention was that rabbit thing. Because it's, you know... It's, Did you pre-order one? I'm going to pre-order one, actually, just for... Do you want to explain the, what it is? It's basically a hardware interface to AI models that combines the basic rudimentary AI LLM stuff like who was Napoleon and when was he banished to the island or whatever your question is, with something they call the large action model where you can go on their website and set up a bunch of actions like authenticate into Spotify or Expedia or wherever you do your th- the things you do. And then it's a little device, really cool looking, designed by, in partnership with a company called Teenage Design, I think, which does Teenage cool Engineering. Teenage engineering. engineering. Anyway, and it's orange and colorful and very simple little screen on it. And you can say, you know, it's going to try to put a layer on the things that you would normally push buttons to do on the web and say, I want to fly to Paris. What are the flight options? And it'll go out and get that. Yeah. Get that for you. There's a lot. It's like an agent. It's a first step in combining hardware. Sure, sure. But uh, uh, there's a few topics on that. I don't know if you want to get into them if we have time today, but one is this really interesting kind of next layer of AI innovation, which is trying to create abstractions for 
tools that you use every day. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. But isn't this, isn't this getting a little heavy on the date, Alex, when Brian should be laying out the episode a little bit more so we know where we're going before we get into like complete sure. okay. nerddom? I, I just don't understand why I want to carry around something other than my phone. But you're, we'll you're see. not going to. I don't think we're going to be talking about this in a year. Let's let's put a bet on that. We're not going to be talking about this in a year. Now I understand how Alex feels when we're talking there about There is media. an interesting Who topic cares? there. I, I, know, I know you guys wanted to talk about media parties at CES, but. There's a really interesting. Literally, thing everyone in I runs into that. is like, "Can you talk about media? <laughs> like, not about this, these tech gadgets." But let's go on. Sure, let's talk about media. So, who tell me? Uh, tell me, tell which, me that this is gonna. We're gonna be talking about this, and anyone's gonna. Which give a media shit about company this that year. was making twelve million dollars a year is shutting down? Because, I don't know. Then uh, maybe we should do a 50. thing. If if more people listen to the show who give a shit about video games, we would be in business. But <laughs> I don't want to talk not. about video games. I think this is once again something that's really going to impact the interface. And just as a theme, it's interesting. We don't have to talk about it. What else is there? No, no, no. I, I, it, it's on the list, so let's talk about it. I just wonder why we need this. Again, I'm not a gadget expert. I don't. I don't. I'm not very interested. Ignore, in ignore the gadget for a second. The gadget is very cool. The gadget shows that well-considered industrial design is interesting. The gadget shows that maybe people are ready to. Try stuff out that doesn't look like an Apple device, but mostly it's two hundred bucks, and I think that's within a threshold of people just trying it out. The gadget is not important. What's interesting is what they're doing in the background is that they're giving you a virtual machine essentially. But I don't know how they're making any money, but they're giving you a computer that you can access through the web, and you use that computer. You log into your Spotify and to your Expedia account and whatever, and supposedly. The system can learn how you use these things and then do these things for you. So essentially, it's like you're hiring an assistant, you're buying them a laptop, and you're showing them how to do stuff. And then by asking the computer how to do stuff, they do stuff. Could it be done via an app? 100%. This could be an app on an iPhone. Would anybody have talked about it the same amount had they done that? Absolutely not. So I think as a marketing campaign it's interesting but once again it, it was a really good keynote though right it the was chinese, a great keynote chinese steve jobs guy that keynote was done live it was not pre-recorded it was actually that's what happened at the hotel the thing I, I want us to talk about here is like it's undeniably where this is going where a lot of the tasks that we do every day are going to be learnable by a multimodal ai that watches you do something and then that thing is going to be able to do other things Hey, this Alex. week also showed like the GPT stores have opened. I'm already building my news tool. I know we should talk about how useless most of the chat GPT stuff is. But can, before we do that, before, and maybe this is a little further afield and maybe this is slightly more speculative, but there's a vehicle that they showed that looks a little like the Cybertruck, your favorite new car, where the back opens up and out comes a little helicopter, a little drone helicopter that you can get into and I could fly over and come see you. We could watch the football game together tonight, which should be cool. Or Brian, I'd probably go see you because Alex is a terrible companion for football. I'm in Miami. Can you get off the way down here? That's vaporware until it's until somebody actually tries that. Isn't most of this vaporware though? Well but the the thing that isn't vapor vaporware is this concept of an AI using tools for you. And I think that as you build those Things out. There's going to be less spots for hey, nerd ads boy. to be put in, and less less money for parties. Unfortunately, did you try, Brian? Did you on Alex's advice? Did I'm, let's let's light this podcast up a little bit today. It's getting a little sleepy. Did you try these new GPTs? These useless GPTs. No. There's one that works. It'll find a hiking trail for you near your house. But you could have done that on an app anyway. Completely disagree, Troy. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Go on. As far as like bad takes go, it's probably one of your worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking just for so people understand. Were you understand there? Like you, you were there when the App Store opened. You already owned an iPhone when the App Store opened. I just um, got my first iPhone. Yeah, and uh, there was like a fart app and one where you could like simulate drinking I beer. That one. There yeah. were multiple farts. Oh, apps. that beer one was great. I used that a lot. If you look at this, the GPT store that OpenAI opened has a lot of things that feel like unfinished. You know, there's a fair amount of friction, but it's been really interesting building your own GPTs. I build one for various tasks. It's a lot like apps, eh, Alex. Like, 
I want to find a hiking trail in New Jersey close to Brooklyn. Seems like that's the only place to go near me. And all trails, rather than going and Googling trails near my zip code and getting a list of them, it just manufactures that list for me, which is kind of cool, I guess. Other than that, like, do I need the Canva GPT app to make a logo? No, I don't. I mean, it's the same thing that people take about an AI. They take the thing that works the least and sets that as a benchmark. Have you seen consensus? Yes, it's just a bunch of research papers I can search. Let's just put it this way. You can ask consensus questions as a just mere mortal, and that thing will search through scientific research papers and give you a rundown in your own voice and to the capabilities of what you can understand. So if you want to find out about like the downsides of GLP-1 drugs or whatever's coming up. It's incredible. It's not 100% ready yet, but it shows a, p- a future. Let me tra- tell you the ones that I tried. The All Trails one I tried, I think if you give it like more specifics, it'll actually come up with surprisingly good results. There's Code Tutor by the Khan Academy that will teach you how to code with examples and adjust to your capabilities. I've tried this out only an hour or so, but it was very impressive. And in Consensus, which is a, a white paper search engine, Guys, we're just like over a year into this. Like, this is incredible. And once you start adding stuff like being able to teach, because Zapier has its AI actions, once you start building your own AI actions, you can connect it to any of your application. We were talking about SAST yesterday. I connected it to our ticketing system. And then I can ask it, like, how are we doing? Or pull out this type of information. I connected it to my calendar. And There's literally a a way. You know, I love all this shit, Alex. I really do. And I love you. But I just think we need to be careful here. Because I connected it to my... I did the five-step thing to connect it to my calendar. Yes, it's highly friction. Yeah, and then I just alt-tab over to my calendar, look at my calendar. Like, we just have to be careful, (laughs) right? Like, there's a lot of junk in here. I don't need... you've been on the internet, like, you've been on the internet for so long. Of course, there's a lot of junk in here. You sound like the guy that says, you know what, I get this Airbnb thing, but I can go on Craigslist and also rent a, a, a room. I'd go cool, to a bro. hotel. Do it. This is incredible. I built an actual media querying just for our audience here. I built a thing that will help me build topics for the podcast just as a, as a test. I didn't use it hmm. for this week. Actually, that's funny because Brian seems to do it much better than you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank I mean, I, I would like to see Brian program a video game. <laughs> Ooh. I'm not playing about Brian. It's just like <laughs> I got nothing on that one. <laughs> the ability of kind of getting a research assistant pre-programmed and just asking it, go out there and pick out some some ideas works really well. And it works really well at keeping me updated. I, I get that. And we've established you're firmly an early adopter and it's early, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does this need like a breakthrough consumer application? Because it's still, there's a lot of could have, would have, it will, it, it might. And there's these esoteric examples that certainly no normal people are doing any of this. Does it matter that nobody, I don't run into it to quote unquote normal people that this is a really big thing in their lives? Does that, or does that just not matter? Okay. First of all, like I am an early adopter. What I'm sharing is information here that hopefully people find useful because it'll take a long time to turn organizations around and this massive change is is here and we have no idea how it will impact everyone. We've gotten very used to the boiling water here where we say, yeah, you know, it only searches hundreds of thousands of research white papers and gives you information that you've asked for. Like, yeah, that's not that impressive. It's the amount of innovation that can happen just from GPT, which is like a very basic implementation of what they can do is incredible. I see normal people all the time that are using GPTs. I was talking to my barber. He was saying how on the side, he's opening some sort of catering business. You know, I was telling him about GPTs. He goes, oh yeah, I have a bunch of GPTs set up to help me write all my communications. I kind of help it figure out menus for myself. I've designed logos for different kind of events that I'm doing, people are using that stuff all the time, everywhere. I think the people who are not using it sometimes, what I sense, are the people who feel most threatened, like writers or journalists saying, Ooh. you know what, this stuff this stuff could replace me, so therefore I will not, <laughs> I will not invest time oh, in it. It's another 
another conspiracy. I feel there's <laughs> some there's some bias there. Like, did you see the latest? Why? Did you see the latest tests coming out for doctors? You know, where they put pitted doctors against LLMs, and the LLMs outperformed the doctors in a lot of these categories. This is it's no joke, guys. It's no okay. joke. You triggered him. I mean, I'm not <laughs> triggered. I'm just saying, like, you can dismiss it all you want, but you know. It's oh, not I'm not all. dismissing it. I'm just. You didn't really answer the question. What I, what I asked was, does there need to be a breakthrough? You talked about your barber. Like I asked if there needs to be a breakthrough consumer app beyond your barber using it for his catering business, which I don't think is indicative to the broader population. Or can it remain in this lane of, because like, let's face it, Silicon Valley comes up with innovations and then the hype machine takes over. And sometimes those things match up. Sometimes the hype machine it just keeps running and the innovation doesn't actually wash through to mainstream yeah. society. We saw this with crypto. A lot of the hyperventilating that I'm hearing about AI, I heard this hyperventilating about crypto too. But crypto is back too. I hyperventilated about crypto to you. And I just wonder of, like and, whether... And now, now you're up. You're up, right? Just for... for just yeah, for I am. Clarity. Yeah. I'm up. Thanks to Solana. To the moon, baby. To the moon. Do you know, do you know yeah, who no, didn't I'm hyperventilate in, crypto. about crypto and disagreed with Troy and... Still doesn't. Who's that? Me. <laughs> I just asked whether there needs to be a breakthrough consumer application because I don't know if Chat. What GPT else do you need? Chat GPT has a hundred million users. Wait, 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 wait. What is a yeah. hundred million? Okay, users? can you ask? It anyone, hasn't changed my life, and ask I'm, anyone, I'm the one. Anyone? Anyone who's of, written a dissertation. Ask anyone who's written a dissertation. Ask anyone who's had to do. It's already being used. Certainly more didn't than, seem to help with any of the citation work. I bet you that more people watched Peacock on Saturday and watch football than like use ChatGPT on Saturday. You know what you should have done, Alex, is set up an AI powered helpline for all the people over fifty that couldn't figure out how to get Peacock. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that you guys could have set up a pretty quick GBD for that. Their churn is going to look like. <laughs> I think we're at an interesting time. I couldn't imagine we'd be this far within a year of this stuff just dropping. The, this isn't this week in startups, guys. Let's not. Let's get a little more tighter. Let's well, focus you're the, on. You're sounding more and more like Jason, though. Yeah, well, yeah. he's my hero. That's okay, true. Let, there's a nice departure, Brian, to news apps because I think news yeah, apps are the you. one thing always guaranteed to fail. Yeah, at least as businesses. Well, micropayments first, then news apps second. Yeah. Someone should come up with a news app with a micropayments model attached to it. Alex's favorite app is dead. Artifact. <laughs> I know, Alex. Artifact is dead. You liked it a lot. And I've noticed that throughout the years, whether it was Circa, Sumly was my favorite. It was bought by Yahoo and killed. And became Circa, that, that one had high aspirations, right? We're yeah. going to change the format of news. But yeah. Ar Artifact, why don't we tell people what it is? It was just uh, it was a cool little algorithmic aggregator, right? Well, it also came with a pedigree because the Instagram co-founder started it and obviously know a thing or two about apps and about consumer behavior. And you would have thought that someone gave the geniuses the memo that said, aggregation is not the problem, money is. <laughs> right? Like th that, that's the problem you need to solve. You can get tons and tons and tons of volume on this and you can aggregate up a bunch of text content. And guess what? Publishers are going to ask you for money and you're not going to have any. And so, yeah. you know, or you're going to run a bunch of low value programmatic advertising in there because you can't sell the direct stuff in there and you're not going to get the affiliate revenue and you're not going to get a subscription. The beautiful programmatic app, ad ecosystem is going to take at least half of the money before it gets to you. And then the publisher is going to take the other half and you're going to be left with 20 cents on the dollar and you're just going to jam that thing full of crappy banners and then it's even worse. Aggregation apps are okay, right? But like they're impossible from a monetization perspective. Ask Flipboard. Yeah, Flipboard's been doing this for like 15 years. Yeah, but I wonder how much of that was also accelerated by I know you guys don't want to talk about it, but by this this prediction that a lot of these chat GPT style tools will be the way we consume media. And like having a, a third type of middleman doesn't work, right? It's either going to be like you That's close everything point. You close everything up like like the New York Times, or you ask your assistant, right? At some point, Siri and Google Assistant are going to be good enough, and I'm just going to say, give me the news. And so a tool like Artifact feels like it has nowhere to, to go to. 
Don't you think they could have pivoted into that use case? Hey, Alex, just for clarity and a contrast in use cases, why does Insta work and Artifact doesn't? What does Insta work and Artifact doesn't? How so? Instagram is a social sharing app. That's why it works. It's photos. People like looking at photos. They look at photos all day. Yeah, or videos, right? There isn't as big of a market for this kind of app. I mean, I want that kind of app. I read news all the time and stuff like this. I don't think that the TAM of this is as big as people act like it is. I only for fun I give the try to contrast those things because they're both pieces of technology that sit between content creators and content consumers that aggregate them up and try to create value in the middle. Instagram created an insane amount of value. Well, Instagram and is the artifact platform, created none. Right? Well, they're both they're both platforms. Instagram gets free content and monetizes that, right? Because they're the platform. Something right. like an aggregator sits in the middle of the consumer and the publisher and tries to design value in there. Most of the value that they're designing is based on the fact that these sites have a terrible experience. I think look, there is a 10 million dollar a year business in there maybe if they build a beautiful app and they charged me 5 bucks a month to use it, they'd find another 100,000 freaks to do that, right? Nope. It's not a business. Won't work. That's not a business? Four, five nope. million dollars a year? That's a nice little artisanal software business. Nope. What, what do you mean? It's too small or? It's just uh, k- keeping up on, like just building that subscription business to me is, with all the other free options, is really treacherous. But a lot of businesses have done that. There's lots of like paid podcast apps that that are decent small businesses. I think we're just comparing, like even just comparing it to Instagram is who made money they, as an who made money as a news aggregator. Apple lost hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars trying to do it, and they own the OS, and it's still not really a mass product, right? Like Apple what news. Apple News? Yeah, Apple News bought Texture that had all the relationships with the publishers, right, with with magazine and, and news publishers. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge revenue share deals and upfront commitments to, to the publishers. It's definitely a money-losing affair because the monetization is terrible. And then it, it, But do they need to make money on this specific thing? They're just selling it as a collective service, right? Well, then they rolled it into Apple One, right, as a yeah, premium service. Exactly. But, and uh, their services business is, is blowing up. It feels like a, a legitimate strategy as a layer inside of an OS, for sure. Right. All I'm saying is that there is space for a newsreader aggregation app that works really well, that you charge a certain amount for. I mean, there's a, there's a software out there that people want. Brian and I want it. Two-thirds of this podcast want something like that, and we'd likely pay for it. I just it, want, right? I want Google Reader. I want Google yeah, Reader. Yeah, exactly. Like, like a just nice version of Google Reader. <laughs> I don't know why Google Reader went away. Can we just give... Give in Twitter and get back Google Reader. I mean, there's definitely a need for it. I, th- I just don't think that the addressable market's very large, and it's definitely not lucrative. I mean, if you're trying to like aggregate publishers, there's no money there. So that's the unfortunate fact. I hope someone figures out the aggregation apps. The ultimate, it there's no nobody's going to figure it out. The ultimate aggregator is an LLM, is a Chat GPT type tool. That stuff's gone. There's no space for it. Do you see what I mean? Yes, like that's running at a, you're running at a disappearing future. Yes, yeah. exactly. You're, you're, you're kind of like sitting within a kind of an opportunity space within the interface, which is like websites are shitty, it's hard to find stuff, you know, building a tool like that. And it, it feels a little bit like, you know, Yahoo had these lists of cool websites that you could visit and then Google came out and made that redundant. And I think aggregators are becoming that. And as that happens, RSS feeds and all these types of things are going to become that the last bastions of things that are going to be hard to kind of impact are things like that are on platforms like social media feeds with specific formats like Instagram and stuff like that. But the written word is getting all chewed up or put behind a paywall. And to be put behind a paywall, you need to be a New York Times or something that has enough value so that I actually go through the process of putting in my credit card. Right. Yeah. One update, Axel Springer, we talked last week about Axel Springer, the Bill Ackman battle. Axel Springer did come out and they backed up Business Insider in their little mini investigation. They said there was no unfair bias or personal, political, and or religious motivation in pursuit of the stories. The stories were newsworthy. And Neri Oxman, who's Bill Ackman's wife, who has a public profile as a prominent intellectual and has been a subject and participant in media coverage as a fair subject. So now I think we are in for an, uh, a fun battle 
with Bill Ackman filing lawsuits. He doesn't seem like a guy who gives up and he's gone too far. I don't know what it's like in the Ackman household right now, but any thoughts on this, Troy? You were very exercised last week. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, n- nothing's going to change the facts that BI is a cheap journalistic organization. That <laughs> How could you slander BI like that? Oh my God, come on, stop it. You I know, have friends th- there. They're, they're good journalists. Yeah, I love, love them. There's some great people there. Yeah, your friend from, who do you know there? From Digiday. Lucia's there. Lucia's there. She's great. Love, is love there. Lucia. I don't think you'd dispute, dispute that characterization, but... He just did. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he did it publicly, but uh, privately. <laughs> That's not uh, true. I like BI. I oh, like yeah. classic BI. They were like an original aggregator too, by the way. Right. Don't they do these cool YouTube videos, like so expensive and stuff like that? I like those. Yeah, they do those. Those are good. Yeah, they're great. I watched one this weekend about like the most expensive they're stuff in Japan. They're trying to keep the flame alive from Gawker. That's what they're trying to do, but it's like an awkward gawker. It's not quite. People should just give up on the gawkers. You know what? They write the cheap headline. That then cascades into 15 other outlets writing something Hey, you know what, Troy? It's a digital media brand that still exists. So, you know, let's give them some credit. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the meat of the story, which is they're not going to cave there is no way that they could undermine their entire model and have a hedge fund guy call their investor and have them like turn in the newsroom. Like that's never going to happen. He demanded that Matthias Dufner get on a plane and show up in New York the next day. That's like really bold. (laughs) Right. Trump's been at war with the New York Times for years. This is just going to turn into kind of stalemate and he'll snipe now and then or whatever, but it's going to blow over. And all it's going to do is continue to support the narrative that the main, mainstream journalism is not not trustworthy. And I think that's its legacy. Yeah. It's a messy situation. I listen, was listening to John Kelly earlier. From oh, Bond he gave you a little shout out. It was very strange. I was riding my bike and I heard my name. I, I thought that was... A, yeah. So it's a jarring experience. He never shouts out me, he just shouts out you. I know he didn't he didn't mention the podcast. He just said a podcast he does. When sociopath Ben it? Smith uh, has a Oh, I also take. heard from Ben too. Yeah, he sends you a note. He doesn't send me a note. So. Well, I don't want to be in the middle of it. I don't want to be in the well, middle of it. You are. So, you know, Ben, whatever. if you're listening, email Alex, not me. <laughs> <laughs> email me. Here's the middle ground that I'm going to come to with this because I think you hate the game, not the player, or something like this. I think you can agree that the sociopathy is baked into journalism as a profession. And how it is practiced can sometimes be misconstrued as the person who's practicing it is a sociopath when there's just sociopathy that's part of it. It's kind of like a lawyer. Like, how do lawyers defend like horrible people? Oh. It's just part of the job. Yeah. Lawyers are, I like lawyers, they're more engaging. Lawyers are easier to hang out with than journalists. Yeah, because they're charging like eight hundred bucks or a thousand dollars an hour. They're g- wonderful to like talk to. I would be too if I was making a thousand dollars an hour. No, no, like, no. I was sitting with a lawyer friend this weekend, and he said, "Am I worth nineteen fifty an hour to hang out with?" And I said, "Absolutely, you are." Is that what he charges? One thousand nine hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah. He's a f- like a financial. I call him. A, he reads like. Uh, biblical scripts for a living. That's what mm. he does. Is he worried about AI? That racket's over too. No, he sees himself as a mix of a, a trained lawyer and a creative person together. He said that the creativity is a big part of what makes him special and unique and the, yeah. the LLMs can't do that. That's what I'm going to say too. So there, Alex. I yeah. don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> we all think we're special in our own way. It'll be great. I think we should start valuing things that humans can do uniquely, like compassion and the type of creativity that we're uniquely capable of. Finding loopholes in contracts for $1,950 an hour. How much money is spent every year on people that are just read this document and pull out what's salient? It's a huge industry, right? And that stuff is impacted, surely. So speaking of that, because that leads to layoffs, I think that's the big thing. Everyone's like worried about AI taking jobs. And this is another one where I'm like, there's no unemployment. So when are we going to start to see this end up happening? Did you guys see this Cloudflare video? Yeah. This uh, young woman. And there was also a Discord one as well. 
Yeah, the Discord yeah. one. But this is apparently... Can you describe it, Brian? Yeah, so basically, on social media, there's this thing like POV is like a format. It's like POV, you're going to Costco. And she did this POV video of POV, you're about to get laid off. And so she took a selfie video of her going on a Zoom call to be fired, in essence, by the HR department. And she was demanding to know why, and they were saying it was for performance, but her manager wasn't on the call. She didn't have any derogatories against her, and it was all very awkward and uncomfortable on all sides. Something kind of similar was posted about Discord. A lot of the layoffs that happened last year cascaded into this year. There are different types of layoffs, and I want to get to that. But I want to first get to this idea of these videos about firings. Because I guess in in watching the Cloudflare video, I was simultaneously like kind of horrified for her for recording it. But then also I was like, yeah, good for you, because this is a pretty shitty way to fire someone. Would you hire her, Brian, after seeing that video? Yeah. You would? I think like young people do those kind of things and like you, you end up using wait, your Wait, wait, wait. You're about to hire someone who recorded a phone call with HR and then put it up on the internet. Yeah. And that's the kind yeah. of person you want creating the culture of the growing, robust yeah. media company Rebooting yeah. Inc. Yeah, I don't, whatever. I don't like that's the big company stuff. To me, like Cloudflare, the CEO, you know, they admit that they, they didn't handle this well. If you're a manager and you're not going to be the one doing the layoff, like, what are you doing? Like, what the, you should just give in I mean, your manager badge. No, but isn't this just another? What's this? Just like that's the main, main issue. Here. This gotcha thing that she's. Oh, like, the the main issue is that like some company got embarrassed. Oh no, Cloudflare. No, no, no. I think that's so. so there's like a bunch of things going on, right? When young people are going to TikTok all the time. She got fired. She can do what the fuck she wants. Put it up there. That's fine. The most distressing thing, I think, is that it's going to put a chilling effect on how people manage their companies. But at the same time, what the hell are you doing when you're putting some third party in charge of firing someone? It's like it shows there's a playbook to do this correctly and they didn't follow it. So they deserve the scrutiny. Were they firing her? Or were they? La- was it a big part of a big layoff? No, they're wow. saying it wasn't layoffs. They're saying those were performance-based firings, right? But you kind of lose that. You you say tomato, Alex. All they're doing is they're trimming the hedge. They're well, it also was a sales. It, she was a sales executive, right? And people in sales okay. teams get fired all the time. She hadn't done. They're saying she hadn't done a sale in the three months she was there. She's saying she had great client relationships. Yada yada, right? Like it's not. It's not. Show me the money. But if they had done it in a way that was the manager should have done it, then you know we'd be talking. Yeah, the manager probably should have done it. But I mean, what what this case I think highlights is the line between a riff, which is a reduction in force, which is designed to reduce costs in your company, and something that's performance based, which requires more planning, documentation, all that stuff, right? Right. right. But what you really see inside of companies. So performance-related terminations require a process, and it takes yeah, a long time. And it's a, a lot plan, of work. Plan, PIP, documentation, yeah. all that stuff. And you set someone up, and yeah, and it takes three months, and it's always a bunch of bullshit because you wanted to get rid of the person usually, anyways. And what's going on here is they're using a riff to reduce costs, and they're going to take out the underperformers. But isn't that always the case? I mean, it's a cover. Right. Well, but then you got to decide who to riff, right? And then you got all the challenges with messaging in the company because you're riffing, but you want to tell the people we're still doing great, and they're they're saying, "Wait, I thought we were doing great. Why are we Why are we cutting back? You know, staff?" And they say, "Well, we have different priorities or strategic realignment or something like this." And then the natural question is, "Why me and not someone else?" And you say something like, we deprioritized your function or we've made a decision to invest in other areas or whatever. I think what happens on the inside, at least this is my, I would say, fairly informed perspective, is sometimes your costs, particularly in times when companies aren't aren't performing super well or the macro environment's hostile, you have to cut back the number of people. You're always going to look at how you do it in terms of getting rid of people that you might have otherwise let go. 
And it's just like, it's never easy. And the messaging has to be super, super clear and tight. What they did, in, my take on what they did on that call is they sort of got into it with her. They engaged in a conversation around whether it was performance related or not, or was she doing her job? And it just has to be super clinical. And that's really the, the whole story. But but one interesting part of this, so you talk about like it being a riff versus performance. I mean, Cloudflare is up seven; their stock's up seventy one percent in the past year, and and we're seeing this throughout tech companies. I think there have been fifty five hundred layoffs, and this is not driven by these companies not producing stellar results or their stocks are going up. And I wonder how much this ties to. The AI religion. I mean, it's obviously, if what you're saying, Alex, is true, then these companies, and assume these companies believe that, they believe that they're going to need far, far fewer people. Is that what's going on here? So from talking to folks, I think everyone's talking about it and looking into it, but there haven't been a ton of decisions made around it because I don't, I don't think it's integrated enough. What has been happening, however, is just a new mentality around performance. So there's kind of this a cascading effect that happens where while those companies were growing really quickly, a few things happened. And that's what I'm hearing from folks, right? I mean, I'm running a very small studio now. I'm not exposed to these things myself. But while companies were growing rapidly, there was a lot of competition. Standards got dropped. The benchmark for getting into the company was lower. Lots of people got hired. That meant that a lot of the companies grew very quickly and you needed to turn more people into manager classes, not only because you had more people to manage, but because managers would spend a lot of their time recruiting. And with that kind of slowing down, a lot more scrutiny has been put on managers on the way they manage performance reviews. And every company is being asked by the board to review their team size, whether they're doing well or not, and reduce the team size. So the same boards and investors that were asking companies to grow, 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 scale, 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 are now asking every company to have a lot more scrutiny on team sizes. So the, this pressure is being put on, irrespective of how the company is doing, to look into every department and see whether they can reduce layers, remove people that are maybe not as performant or generating as much revenue, and yes, potentially get ready for an AI optimization boon that may happen in the future. So I think that's that's what's happening right now. What's been interesting though is that there's a lot of these things which are also like, I think some companies have handled badly. The, the idea of letting people go, I think that you cut deep and you cut fast. You kind of like, you do these cuts one off, you tell everyone that's being impacted and then you move on. But the, a lot of these companies have had this kind of trailing reorgs that are happening and and right now at google what's happening I oh my god i i'm sorry we let's just take a little i mean i've heard that so many times but hear, hear, hear me out right now at and, google you have people a large group of very smart engineers trying to reverse engineer the algorithm to figure out who's going to get fired and not because there's been like just like train trailing layoffs over and over again and that seems to me like a lot of distraction rather than having done it three months ago when they did it the first time. I don't, I don't get it. Maybe you have a reason for that, but I don't get it. I mean, the world isn't that simple, Alex. And you don't sit back. When you're planning a layoff, you're doing it with a desire to protect as many people as you can, with a deep sense of optimism about the future for your company. Yeah, some people don't cut deep enough, whatever. Google's like a multi-multi-divisional complex labyrinth of an organization and so you hear about different changes that they make in different fair, parts of the organization fair, yeah i don't think it's like we're at google we're gonna cut back once like this is impractical the google one is maybe i'm talking more about the discords or the of the world but but i think the, brian asked a good question the narrative of we're doing well our stocks up etc seems to conflict with the need to reduce staff how does that happen and it happens because you're preparing for a um, tougher environment because in many cases you want to change the kind of talents that's in your company. So you get rid of certain type of people and you have more money to invest elsewhere. There's no structure to do it as kind of performance oriented. So you do a riff mm -hmm. and 
there's only one God in a company. It's your investor and your P&Ls of the Bible, and you do whatever it takes to, to manage that accordingly. And the times where, and maybe this is wrong, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that we, we, we tried to weather the ups and downs of difficult macro conditions by protecting jobs. It just feels like that those days are over. Yeah, and AI is looming over all of that in part because I could even see the, the the kind of the hardware restructuring at Google is a response to a new reality where you know the building devices that connect with each other and putting an assistant into the home that entire strategy has changed. They probably have to scrap a bunch of code because everything's going to be built on top of LLMs now. And a bunch of people get kind of swept away by that. Even Apple just let go over a hundred people that were working on some sort of Siri update, right? Part of that is because the world is changing, and I'm sure a lot of roadmaps have changed, including a bunch of them that probably involved crypto. And then now a lot of crypto-centric hires are, are being let go. That, Here's know. another little point I'd make: is and I know Brian, you brought this up before, but make friends at work and act like a family or whatever, but don't ever think that because you have relationships at work or that it's familial that you're protected from changes. So I think that you spend such a huge amount of time at the office, you should enjoy the relationship you have in that environment, but know that it's going to end, it's going to change. Yeah, although I would say it does argue for joining unions. Yes and no, I'm not entirely sure of that. Well, if you have no leverage whatsoever and you're, you do not buy into the we are all family here, kumbaya stuff, well, then you should just protect yourself. Well, and, I guess and, maybe maybe if, if a company has incredibly strong market position and it becomes a back and forth for who gets the spoils and maybe historically workers have not been treated with kind of respect and entitlement that they deserve, then I think it makes lots of sense for like auto workers to unionize. In the case of media, I think that it would require further examination because I'm not sure that unionization got, other than say, a kind of collective embrace that made and and, and kind of identity reinforcement that made unionized employees in media feel better. I'm not sure that it got them more security or more money or more benefits or any of that. In fact, I would argue, and I've heard this from other media executives, that the the unionized employees get less than than the others. And I don't want to get into it, but but I think that unionization in digital media newsrooms did not create more security or uh, financial benefit for those employees. Yeah. Well, it doesn't mitigate the Tremendous structural challenges that all these businesses are facing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not really like, tough. It's not like there's a there's... massive slice of the pizza pie that's going one direction. That like the pizza pie. I should. mean, I think that unionized employees inside of Condé Nast are yelling at Roger Lynch and telling them, "Why are you like? What are your plans for that? Why can't you keep jobs in this organization?" Well, the answer is is because media's structurally impaired, yes. and changes need to be made. I understand leverage that car unions have, it's hard to build up a factory and that supply chain and everybody wants to buy a car. I don't understand what like digital media unions bring to the table, just like leverage-wise. I saw in San Francisco there's uh, there's rent strikes going on. Yeah, there. So you can create leverage wherever <laughs> you want. I, I know you can, but I, it feels to me like it's such a distributed and kind of messy industry that like yeah, hold on to your job and hold on to the specifics of your job in an industry that's changing so fast and is being hit from all sides. Like you just feel like you have less leverage. I mean, I'm very pro-union, but I, I just don't understand how they work in certain circumstances. Yeah, with this washing over tech, it's it is interesting. I hope your studio unionizes. <laughs> Seriously. And and Brian, your little studio too. That would be interesting. What? No, I don't have any full-time employees. How are they gonna unionize? But if uh, they if they do like what's the you know if you if you can find leverage that's great yeah but sure it is it is it does speak to Elon Musk has had a major influence of what he has done at Twitter uh, I don't think you can divorce what he did at Twitter with cutting what eighty percent of the people to 
all these cuts happening right now while their stock's going up. The, the pressure has come on these companies, I think, in part. It's not just interest rates. It's because I think maybe I think he gets a lot. I think he gets a little too much credit for that. That conversation was happening way before all that happened, and I think it's the end of the zero interest rate, right? That started all out, and I was already hearing of companies going like, "Well, we have a lot of people." Okay, okay. Sitting around that are not. I know you hate to give Elon Musk credit for anything, or this may not even be credit, but he started the whole thing. He definitely did. Alex, he did him well. Yeah, taking out two thirds of his employee base and the machines still functioning inspired a lot of people. A lot. It at least gave cover. I would. Guess. I think that's a, like a pretty simplistic and dumbed down view of looking at how people look at their business. Like, like guilty. Do you think people that like Troy's trying to channel what the board's thinking? So I think that's people totally at Salesforce right were like, wait. <laughs> Wait, computers don't need those many people to make software go right? Maybe, like, uh, come on, that's like, it's such a, a simplistic view of looking at it. I think, did he give them air cover and permission to be like more jerky about it? Sure, but w- were people planning already to kind of like reduce their workforce? 100%. These things didn't happen overnight because Elon did it. I just want us to be factual here. Okay. Should we go on to good product? No, I don't think we're we, we're going to do a little bit on influencers, Brian. If you recall, oh right, could, right, right, we, influencers. <laughs> Brian just wants to be done with today's episode. Well, it's it is three. Okay, so let me tell you a little story about influencers, and then we'll just okay. kick off a brief conversation. So maybe I've told this before. I'm not sure on the podcast, but influencers when you run media brands, they're a complex thing to to have to navigate because. They're taking up a bigger part of the media spectrum. There's more and more demand for them from advertisers. And I, I remember going to, to China on two occasions, and the influencer market was always earlier and bigger in China. And the media executives that work for Hearst in China would say, Troy, what do we do about all these influencers on these social platforms because they're taking all of our business and LVMH doesn't care about Cosmo or L or Bazaar or anybody else. And they care about these in- incredibly powerful influencers. And I always found it to be a real conundrum, to be honest, because I didn't, there's no easy answer other than be more influential as a media brand and try to build up your talent. And or could we create a network of influencers and roll them into our go-to-market strategy? So always really difficult. And, and I think the way it turned out is I sort of hoped they would go away, to be honest. And they, they just got more important. And influencers are just media brands with the kind of added vulnerability of being connected to a single human, right? So when they fuck up, the company's impacted, right? So they're they're single human being media brands. And so this week, what happened was this Italian influencer brand, you can maybe remind me of her name. She has, I think, 3 million followers on Instagram. Chiara Ferragni? Ferragni. Let's call her Chiara. And <laughs> if you go through her feed on Instagram, she's a shill machine. She is shilling right and left. It's like, look at my beautiful life. I mean, stuff that I just find, I can't believe people follow this crap. It's so boring because it's this manicured existence where she's got a Louis Vuitton bag hung over her shoulder and she's selling selling junk. And everybody knows the game now. So I think for a while it was like, are they being paid or not? Yes, they're all being paid. It's the same as a media brand. You have to balance what you do editorially in the service of your customers with what your sort of commercial imperatives are. And if it tilts one way or the other because you misrepresent yourself or your relationship with a charity or you you shill too much, you violate your trust with your audience and you lose. Yeah, and And so... The appeal of personal media persists, and I don't think that's going to change. I think we very much live in a world where people want less sort of institutional kind of garbage on top of their information. They want to connect with people, and they like point of view, and the internet made made, made that possible. The challenge is, when it goes bad as an influencer, you can sink the whole ship, and sometimes you get sick of one person. You know this guy that kind of a funny guy that uses lenses or filters on TikTok or Instagram and does all the characters. His name is Brian Alvarez. He's the guy hey, that you've did, shared him. Yeah, sitting is the opposite of standing. And he's got a lot more foot, music now. 
Yeah, I'm five foot seven, but my wife thinks I'm five nine. I mean, he's kind of funny. He's like a one man SNL, but he got wildly popular. But now he's in my feed every day, and I'm he's annoying. He he just he's there too much because he he got addicted to the social media crack and to the money that goes along with it. So I don't well, that's know. That's just wear out. That's I mean, just res- wear out, right? Respect the hustle, I mean, though. One one last thing from my from my thing here is it? Sure. This is very personal. So I, I was reading this biography of Francis Ford Coppola, and he's an amazing guy, an amazing filmmaker. And I wanted to go back and watch Apocalypse Now. And Apocalypse Now is not available anywhere. It's not on any of the streaming services. You can't rent it. You can't download it. You can't get it anywhere. But it's the entire movie is on YouTube. I rarely engage in sit-back YouTube consumption, meaning go to YouTube on my television and watch stuff. But because I went there to grab this movie... I started watching YouTube at home on my TV, uh, which my kids do, and it's amazing. And it's a mix of produced stuff and personal stuff and individuals. The truth is, is that we just live in an era where people make great content, and that is no more visible than it is on, on YouTube. I just think that that's the big challenge to professional media is that human beings make great content with or without economic incentives. So that's that's not going away and that's a that's a mega trend that started yeah 15 years ago and it's But just, I I do think with the on the media company side cuz ESPN has had a issue the last couple of weeks with Pat McAfee who's a very popular former NFL player who has developed his own kind of Barstool-esque, he was at Barstool for a while, but Barstool-esque personality-driven franchise and ESPN licensed it, but it's a licensing deal. Like he's not an employee. And he had Aaron Rodgers on, and Aaron Rodgers suggested that Jimmy Kimmel was on the Epstein list. Jimmy Kimmel's part of the Disney family. This is ESPN. And then it escalated, and McAfee's taken shots at Norby Williamson, who's a very powerful ESPN executive behind the scenes. And nothing happened to him. He didn't get fired like the Cloudflare uh, lady got fired. And that's because he has leverage. And so I think it'll be interesting to see, obviously, this is not going to be the majority of people, but you're going to also have people who are able to exert more leverage in their arrangements with what used to be employers because they have that kind of power. They, they bring their own audience to the table. They don't depend just on the it's institutional brand. It's a great point. And it matters more in sport than it does anywhere else. And it's been true at ESPN for a long time that personality really matters. Stephen A has been at ESPN for how long? And he goes off and we love him because he's a big mouth and he's funny and he, and, 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 and he goes on and on and on. Now ESPN needs to live in a reality where they don't have structural distribution advantages, so they need to lean into personality. And the stuff outside of just pure sports rights is really hard to get people to tune into. So they're engaging and buying the rights of some YouTube dude. Yeah. You but know. just a few years ago, they were suspending Bill Simmons for snarking at Goodell. It's a different world, I feel like, for That stuff's over. Like the, the overreaction. <laughs> is this LLMs are going to do this too? <laughs> well, I think people are noticing that nothing much happens, and if they just weather it through, it's fine. You know what? How, how often do you roll your eyes at the like talking head shit on the sidelines of a football game? It's all just crap. How good would it be if everybody was more like Stephen A. Oh, or or like Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell, the coach of oh, yeah. the Detroit Lions. Fight him on the kneecaps. Finally, a guy that that kind of says it like it is, and, and and it's so much better. By the way, he's a gr- he's a great coach, Brian. I mean, I, I, I'll never he's get He's a culture the guy. He's a culture guy. Yeah, he's like he's like Nick Sirianni. You you were talking about that influencer shilling. Have you been on TikTok lately? Yes. Have you seen that TikTok? Yeah, Every fourth TikTok is somebody's QV, personal QVC channel. There's a woman on my TikTok that sells candy by the pound live on TikTok. I don't understand, and it's become terrible. It's it's basically it's fully admitting that the that the influencer thing is a shilling hustle, and it's just enabled them by by building all these stores. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, the part the of the NFL of I want to get, get get rid of is like when they do those those corny segments where 
they do like these graphics packages about the players. Like, oh, those are so bad. Really bad. I, I right. But, but you know what? I, I would say just media brands are actually useful because you can move people in and out of them. And when someone has an issue, you still have a media brand. So I think that you got to find a mix where it's not just Tucker Carlson, it's Carlson Media Group. And it's, well, did you see Don Lemon move to X? I did see that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was you know he's a beautiful baby, and he's got to find a way back, and that's one option. Particularly if Elon's going to pay him to put his show on there, it's not a bad idea. And if you I can mean, then it's take like that really and tr- tough position for these guys. It's like well, look at Chris Cuomo. I mean, it's sad. Chris Cuomo's on like what is it, News Nation? I mean, come on. I don't know. I always <laughs> see Don Lemon at parties in the Hamptons with his dogs. And I think he'll still be around for a while. He's got Don Lemon, does he have a real fan base? Not in my house, but might maybe yours. I mean, I he, he's a he's a good broadcaster. He's good at what he does, though. <laughs> I, don't know I mean, is. is he? I just think there's shrinking. Is it, have you ever watched him, Alex? I, I don't like him. He's very <laughs> indignant. <laughs> That's my that would be my description of him. Very indignant. There's a market for that. Remember when HuffPost had a like a live TV channel? They were ahead of their time. He could have been on that. I, I predict that these guys sure. are going to go further and fur, further to the right where they're kind of accepted as these as like an older audience. No, he's on the left. He's on the left. He's gotta go, he's gotta become more unhinged no. on the left. He just announced that he he doesn't trust the news anymore and listens to Shapiro. So Watch no, it. He's, he's Watch in it the process happen. of being a rental, Brian. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going on the right? Yeah. Well, Just we, because we, he got canceled? I bet, you, I bet you, yeah. He didn't get canceled. He got fired. He got canceled. Oh, he got, I guess, oh, he got fired because he, he called, he called someone old. It was a package old. deal. It was a package no, he, deal. Yeah, yeah. No, he said, he said Nikki he's, Haley was past her prime. Yeah. Yeah. He said someone was old. Yes. Yes. When we have an octogenarian on the ticket. Two, I think. How old's I mean, Trump? you know, he's allowed to to stay. Oh, speaking of that, the, you know, the Iowa the Iowa caucuses are tonight, and what's amazing to me is, I want to be optimistic. I really, really want to be optimistic about the media business, but like, this is my sort of prediction. There's going to be no bump from this election. I don't think that there's any juice whatsoever to Trump Biden too, and there was a lot of money that got made off of Trump the first time around in the media business. And it's not there this time around. It's even worse is all of the advertisers want to stay away from any of this news. So they block all news content. They're going to block all news content throughout the election. And there's going to be a lot of people who are raising the alarm bells about this and save democracy. That is not the job of the brands. And there's not going to be the subscription revenue too. So it, that I think that's a really difficult one, another one for the news business, unfortunately. I don't think we have caucuses in Canada the same way. How do you guys like elect? Do you just gather in the igloo? and you just ask the queen. Choose, choose someone in a furry hat. <laughs> right. All right, well... Maybe we can dig into that more <laughs> next time. <laughs> what do we have for uh, what do we have for good product? Oh, thank you for making space for me. I'll tell you, you know that same guy that's 1950 an hour. He's a real good friend of mine, and he's an attorney. And he claims that he grew up poor, so he indulges his children in all of their whimsy, their fantasies, meaning like flight lessons and F1 lessons, and they do they do every they do it all. They does he phones. worry about? Does he worry that they're going to grow up entitled with unrealistic expectations for? Yeah, like, he sort of thinks. Face? Maybe is there's as much in it for him seeing them have all these great things as kids that gives him some kind of I don't know vicarious thrill. Anyway, so he buys them like super high end pellet guns, and then they bring them over to the house, and we try to shoot things. Anyway, so this week he bought them <laughs> this wicked F one simulator. He's like, you got to come over. It's super cool. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. So my son and I went over and you get into this cockpit and you have a a steering wheel that looks exactly like a race car steering wheel with this little haptic kind of motor on it. So you can feel the road, the gas pedal, the brake, the clutch are all like industrial level, like 
the real inside of a racing car. And then they got this gigantic TV and you start playing and racing. And it is, Alex, it's a thrill. It's incredible. Wait, are we, it, uh, sorry, are we so allowed we're to do, talk about video games? Yes, we're. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't be like it's that. Don't be, don't be, are you don't, telling me? Don't that, be, don't be. So that tell guy. me, what is it? So it's, it's, but it's like on a screen, but it looks like real life racing. No, no. <laughs> and you have a steering wheel that you can turn and a chair that's with haptic feedback. It's $10,386 at Wayfair, too. Yeah, it's one of the good ones. Yeah. And Alex, yeah, you're right. The, the, oh. The qu- the quality of the graphics are obviously are beyond next level, including uh, for ten k. Like, they better Alex, be. Alex narration from like some fake Russian guy that's an, a, a a racing team owner. It's amazing. The racing is amazing. Well, I, what do you think, Alex? I don't know. I, I like video games too. They're cool. It turns out that if you spend more money on them, you get better quality shit. But no, yeah, but like good. it wasn't like one of those junky simu- like steering wheels no, that you like. We've come, like a we've real come one. far since Pac-Man. We have. They have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't surprise you that I thought no. this was cool. If you want to, if you want a better, if you want an even more impressive experience, do that stuff in VR on a haptic you, seat. On a. Do you think I should get one of these things? Do you have one of these? No, it takes up too much space and it's wasteful. And I'm trying not to spoil my kid. I bought him a, a game that was called Little Gator Game that is age-appropriate, and I bought it on discount, and I told him that it's a special occasion that we buy a video game, and he appreciated it. What he didn't know is that I bought it three times because I kept buying the wrong version. But Do you make him beg, beg for gruel? No, not really. Those simulators are great. I think you should try them. If you can find them, you should try. Anything immersive like that is very fun. Yeah. And by the way, Alex, that new Apple ad has hit the television. And it is a sensational ad. The one where all the characters from movies put on goggles? Yes. Yeah, it's great. It's a great ad. So we, did we determine, will either or both of you have on one of these headsets? I'm pre-ordering on one, yeah. I'm pre-ordering will one. You wear it, will you wear it on an airplane? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. See you there. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I think if it's a long-haul flight, you know what I'm, I'm really looking forward to is it's a big screen. I'll have my prescription. I put it on and I can work on it. I think. Are, I your, think, are your hands doing a bunch of razzle-dazzle on the plane? Like, are you moving your hands around while you're sitting there? No, I'll have a little keyboard. I ha- I'll have my MacBook in front of me. Well, so you're going to be sitting on a plane with yeah. these goggles on and a yeah. laptop out. Yeah. No, like, special gloves. This thing come with special gloves? I don't even nope. know. No, no, it's all, it's all, it's, there's no controller. Okay. And Troy, you're going to be playing tennis in the galley, I assume, (laughs) with this thing on. Okay. This is great. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be back in premium economy observing. I think you might wear one. I mean, I think it'll make premium economy feel much better. Imagine you could make it feel like a big open field. Yeah, that could be nice. You could do a first class simulation. <laughs> Just thinking about it with an open mind, like forgetting, because I think that's, you know, Scott Galloway's point as well. It's like you put this on, you're no longer in the dating pool. Okay, but let's say, let's say you kind of pull yourself away from that thought. If you could put glasses on that are comfortable enough that when you were on a plane, took away all the stuff that you didn't want to look at and put you in front of a really large screen and gave you all the interactions that you need. I think you'd want to use that. If it works as well as that, I think you'd want to use that and you'd probably get over the fact that you look stupid. It's going to take the trailblazers to normalize it. It's like I thought the AirPods looked ridiculous. Brian, since you moved to Miami, have you changed any of your... (laughs) Behaviors in a way that you would have thought were ridiculous before. Like, do do you roller rollerblade to the grocery store? No, I don't. I do see the people that rollerblade to the grocery store, though. I mean, AirPods are a good example, though. Yeah, I thought Gary Vee looked like an an idiot when he was he was like wearing them like day one, and now they're like normal. Just be walking. I still feel self conscious wearing them, like when I'm at a grocery store. But if I'm on an airplane, less so. And also, once you get old enough. I think you start stop caring about this because how many people have seen me in an airplane like asleep with my mouth open while snoring? Like that's more embarrassing than putting on goggles, surely. Hey, have you got those new Ray-Ban Meta glasses, Alex? No, I'm I'm genuinely considering them because I 
I feel like that's a really good product that I should I be tried testing them. out. I tried them the other day. They're Are amazing. They good? You know what the best part is, is the audio. You can yeah. talk on the phone. It's really, really good. Yeah, and it's and it doesn't look like you've got headphones in. I actually wish there was one without a camera on it, just the headphones. I'd be down for them. I think there might be one. But yeah. I there's anyway, too much stuff. There I have too much stuff to buy. I'm gonna like the goggles, the Ray Ban, I, I wanna get a new Steam Deck. Uh, it's an expensive month. I'm gonna slow it down. Get the mm. F one simulator. Yeah. Troy, if you're buying them for people, I'll I'll gladly Telling you that simulator it, was a lot of fun. I wasn't very good at it though. I kind of he made me look like a fool. Right. Well, if you want that type of experience, you can get a PlayStation Five with a PlayStation VR two and a cheap haptic steering wheel that'll set you back probably under twelve hundred dollars, and then you get Gran Turismo and you're good to go. Similar. When is your game coming out? I want to play that. Hopefully this year. There's one, and then the next one is three years away. Jesus. Oh my god, that's a long timeline, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it you could make one. the Godfather in that period of time, right? Yeah, it is an elevated art form that takes longer. Hope it's good. It's not yeah. like writing a newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, they come out with more regularity. <laughs> it's if you want to spend a big fortune to make a little fortune. Video games are the right way to go. It takes a lot of time. They're very hard and very likely to fail. In closing, I would just like to give a little shout out to the the lovable losers, Buffalo Bills. They're playing in half an hour against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brian, yeah. in a snowy Buffalo. The, all their fans had to come out, got paid 20 bucks an hour to scoop snow out of the crappy field that they play in in Buffalo. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Josh Allen stumble his way to glory. He's a great quarterback. He's, He's messy, messy, messy. You know what I think I'm gonna get? I'm gonna get cheese and crust pizza. I'm gonna get one of those cheese, cheesy double cheese pizzas. Oh, where they inject the pe- the cheese into the pizza dough? Yeah, I'm highly influenced by t- pizza advertising. All right, let's leave it. Let's leave it there. Is that good? Yeah, great. Thanks. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs>